was living in LA and it was just getting kind of unmanageable for me financially to balance, balance the books. But also I was like finally at a point where between like art and comics and things I could pay my bills that way. So I was like, I can live anywhere and moved out to the desert. And I don't know, it's been, it's, it's, it works on like a geologic time, which I think is really interesting. As far as just how you pass the time or how you mark the time? Kind of how you mark the time. And then also like mother nature kind of kicks your ass a little bit in this mm. way where like, first of all, it's like far more beautiful out there than anything you could ever like do or make. And then it's like ancient stones and like you can see the path of the moon and all the stars and everything. And I'm like, Oh, I feel like I, like an animal on a planet instead of yeah. just kind of a, a cog, which I don't know, just for mental health stuff that it, it was like a big, I don't let me like prioritize things that are important to me versus things that aren't. Is that an inspirational feeling? It sounds like it's a little frustrating, this idea that you couldn't make anything as beautiful as the world around you. Uh, it's a, it's a good, it's just a good reminder. Yeah. Like, I guess that is a little frustrating, but it's also, you, you pretty put less, powerful. Yeah. yeah. It does. It isn't discouraging in the way that I, yeah. I think saying it that way sounds. It's just a good reminder that like I'm part of something lar- like humans are part of something larger for sure. That the world includes a lot of non-human elements. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that that is like, it's important to keep in check, especially as we are in like this kind of era of uh, environmental instability and collapse in some ways and like to keep that in mind as part of my like working process, you know, is there a feeling that you've kind of gone off the grid in a way? It's not as like, it's definitely a place where I have like community with humans Mm -hmm. too. Like there's a pretty vibrant queer community out in the desert, which, and when I first moved out there, I was like, okay, I'm going to try it out. I might be like some wild hermit or something, but the surprise was I'm actually a lot more social and better at being social living out there than I ever was when I lived in a city. I'm kind of an elusive animal in general, hard to hard to find, but I'm more social than ever before living out there, which feels like a strange like, yeah. switcheroo or something. There's something about just being a part of a giant sea of humanity that's just completely alienating in a strange way. Yeah. You're on the train or, you know, you're walking down the street and you're surrounded by people, but like, yeah. you're not going to say hi to your neighbor. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say, I say it in such a way like it's a ridiculous thing to do. Like, and people outside of Caesar are like, "What are you talking about?" But like, yeah, everyone's just got everyone's got their head down. I don't know if Chicago is exactly like that. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a Midwestern sensibility there. It was the difference between like I would in, in a city. I was my social life much more revolved around going to big group events and mm-hmm. saying saying quick highs and hellos, but not getting into deeper conversations with very many people and um, living rurally, I think just because there's a lot less I'm like not obligated, but like a lot less big events, but like it's much more relationships are built on longer conversations is what I'm trying to say. Like longer hangouts, it seems. And so it has really been a good like mental balance for me too. So I'd like to at some point calculate how much of my time is devoted to small talk right now. When I'm going to interview somebody, I'm like, you know, save it for the interview, that kind of thing. Right. But you and I were walking from the um, events and, you know, trying to find places and it was just like, yeah, the, the weather's really nice. And oh yeah, my dog hated this weather. And I was like, oh, I met this woman who was talking about a litter training her cat on the toilet or something. And, and that, and I, and I think cities are conducive to that. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not great at small talk. And yeah. so I think that maybe I let it, I let it fail a lot. And so it feels like when, uh, I'm spending a longer time with someone and then you can kind of get into the meat of like, Oh, like what's your like squirreliest idea? And like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something somebody wouldn't 
offer up to you immediately until yeah. they kind of know you a little bit. And you can actually like talk, and you know, if it's not a public space, you can talk about somebody's feelings about something and like process things yeah. that they're going through more than at a party or event. You know, like I couldn't, I see people I know at the comics festival, I can't be like, oh, I heard you're like really <laughs> struggling, but you're doing better maybe. Or like, you know, like there's no, there's no place in a big public space, I think, to really get into that kind of mode especially at a show like this but i think again this happens when you live in the city as you run into people once or twice a year yep and the impulse is to be like so what have you been up to for the last entire year right or to like think you know what someone's been up to because you can see them online or something so it's good for art it's great for art i mean like it also has given me a lot more balance in my time to live out there because it's uh yeah i i work slow and so i have enough time and enough focus out there to uh, consistently make things. And so you work more now. I work more now. I think. Well, I work more and better. I get more done, whether or not I work more. You're more efficient. More efficient. More focused. Okay. And I don't know. It, it's always been like when I make work, it seems like a process of like honing what I'm doing down to kind of a core idea of it, mm-hmm. or like getting as close as I can to saying something that feels like sincere and true. Yeah, it just takes it just takes a little time and space for me to do that. So I was reading an interview with you on the way here and you had, you know, described the work as being kind of a finished idea, which is interesting, less of an experiment and more of like, here's the experiment having been processed. Yeah, I mean, I think I work on things long enough that I'm like, "Ah," and then time to present the conclusion. (laughs) A little bit. I mean, there's experiments within the process of it. But I was just talking about a little earlier this morning. I almost start with like things, things I'm interested in drawing or things that really animate my thought process, like things from the world, like I'm a piece of architectural ornamentation, Mm. or um, maybe an idea about in the past, I've like worked a lot with like paradoxes within transgender identity and acceptance, like bodily acceptance. It kind of reminds me, of, you know, when, when people talk about writing a song and they're like, you know, I heard a phrase or something and that that kickstarted it. So, so there's one aspect of it that's really visual and one aspect of it that's more just kind of ideological. Yeah, it's like usually combining, like figuring out why an image will get me thinking about an idea mm. and how those, what is in that what parallels in that relationship and then almost building my images out of like not like a image salad or something that makes that makes like tasty sense you know like a collage or almost like a juxtaposing ideas and when i started doing kind of more architectural paintings i started when i was living in chicago and it was really like a it was really putting together a lot of the architectural elements of Chicago because the buildings there are this combination of very fancy and also falling apart Mm -hmm. in kind of a fancy way. Mm -hmm. And just this like repurposing of a structure seemed or like mm, not necessarily repurposing, but doing what you can with what you've got seemed very an intrinsic notion to queer culture, especially in that, Mm. in that city, but all over as well. Um, Just the resourcefulness of um, queer establishments and then also like queer communities. I felt like using these architectural elements and also like, yeah, just like weird elements of Chicago buildings to make these structures made them kind of ecstatic and also kind of speak to what I was trying to get at with the Doing what you have with what you've got. I mean, I guess that sort of speaks to body image too. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely speaks to like, I don't know, my experience uh, of being trans in the world too, like where, um, to what degree like society will accept you and Mm -hmm. to what degree that, you know, you, you occupy space, you know, I feel like I was working around drawings that 
we're almost becoming too cir- like the co- like the cir- the conversation in my head was too circular and too paradoxical and I was like oh this is very frustrating and I don't know I've started painting pa- paintings that are just more directly about the body uh still using kind of this ecstatic architecture I've been working on and those feel a lot more joyous to me in this way where they're still like they they still take the time but they're um they feel less like thwarted. Like I was doing a lot where I was like, Oh, this like architecture almost like unbuilds itself. Hmm. And a lot more it's working towards a place where I'm like, Oh, I'm using this to like figure out how a body, a body works and looks. Do you feel like you're more drawn to narrative? I mean, in the form of comics versus doing a painting, not more or less, but I do feel both. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like when I have an idea, I know whether it will work as a Mm -hmm. painting or as a narrative. Like I think the, comics narrative is so important because it can it can wind around in places almost like a a film or an experimental film could you know it can get at little angles that maybe a singular image of a painting yeah. can't when you're doing a painting when it's just a single picture you're asking most of the time you're asking the viewer to do a lot more of the heavy lifting right a little bit maybe a lot more like contemplating <laughs> yeah or interpreting something you know yeah. versus obviously like comics are open to interpretation but you're really taking them on a specific journey yeah and that's part of putting like uh all the details in the in the painting work i do is um i almost want it to be like a riddle for the viewer mm. whereas like uh, in a narrative i almost see it as being like a a ride for the for the reader to go on. Do you feel like there are just, there are periods in your life when you're more focused on one form than the other? Yeah. And there are definitely periods where I think I, I definitely go get to places where I'm like, Oh, I just like make the same thing over yeah. and over again. And then I'm like, Oh, I have to like switch in order to switch it up. I often like switch what I'm switch just the medium. The whole, yeah, form, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the reason years ago I stopped drawing, like the book of Gaylord Phoenix came out and I stopped drawing it. And I was just like, I, that seems like a good closing mm-hmm. point. Because everything else I draw after that seems like a repeat of this formula. That was a closing point for comics for a while? For comics for a while, but explicitly for the Gaylord Phoenix yeah. series. And then in the past couple of years, I've put out two new issues just because it seems like the mm-hmm. context for that series or like the, the fantasy world I imagine it occupying enough in this world has changed that that world has changed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, let's yeah. brush that character off. And What's the relationship between the two? I mean, I think they're dealing with like kind of like a similar shake up like a political uncertainty environmental uncertainty and just like kind of toxic forces from from the world being a major destabilizing factor in all areas of like i mean the last 10 years with you know regards to the kind of progress it seemed like we were making yeah and then just sort of slamming headlong into a brick wall yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah exactly and then like you know it there's like wake up call elements to that to be like oh there's like the work is constant (laughs) but there's you know, in general, it's just the worst. It's the pits. Maybe not the, you know, like it can always get worse. So I'm hesitant to say like it's the worst. But um yeah, it, de- it definitely like seemed like time. It seemed like the, in comparison to what the world is doing now, it seemed like the character of Gaylord Phoenix could do new things hmm. because that world has changed too and kind of mirrors, mirrors ours. So you went from the third largest city in the country to the second largest city in the country. Yep. And then you, you got priced out, which happens, yep. you know, especially in places like Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. There were a lot of options for places to go that are that are cheaper than Los Angeles. Was part of moving to the desert just kind of getting away from things for a bit? I think part of it was seeing what I'd never not lived 
in a city or near a city. And so I think part of it was trying to live a little more rurally. And then, I don't know, I, I it wasn't like an escape plan. Yeah. I wasn't like, I need to get away. Yeah. But um, I think I, I needed to maybe live somewhere where I could feel a little more feral. I'm from California originally. I went to yeah. school in Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah. I'd been living out here for a year or two. And the first time I went back home to the Bay Area and, and then visit Santa Cruz. It sounds so silly, but I was staying outside and I was like, oh yeah, I don't think I've been in darkness for a yeah. long time or yeah. silence. You know, we, we were setting up the equipment and this excavation was happening across the street and, and there's cars and you live in it long enough, you, you stop noticing these things. Absolutely. But you get out of it and you're like, oh, there's, I've never fully at peace. Well, also, like, I feel like now every time I, like, step off an airplane in a new city, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like a bumpkin because, like, everything is super-duper loud yeah. and, like, I really feel it for the first couple of hours. So you I'm fully like, adapted to desert life? I guess so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got, you know, like, I love hot, hot weather, which it has in... <laughs> in the desert, yeah. Yep, that yep. happens. And um, I'm not, like, a water baby, so not being around much, like, swimming holes is fine by me. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's some things that I miss. It's not very bikeable out where I'm at, um, so I miss riding bikes. I also miss, and I didn't think I would miss this so much, but I miss, like, in the streets, protest culture in cities, mm. which I think is really important in terms of, like, psychic nourishment, you know? And it's the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, I'm not always sure that, like, a big in-the-streets protest gets the most done sure. right now and where we're at, but... It's hopeful. It's hopeful. And it, it is. It does do something. It... And I didn't realize I would miss it until I moved out rurally, and and it just doesn't it just doesn't happen like that there, or at least not yet. So, but I don't know. Those are those are the two big things I miss about living out there. Yeah, the architecture of Chicago was having such a kind of impact on on your work, and was it sounds like it was a very good starting point. I have to imagine to some degree the work you're doing has changed based on the setting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I I think I. I think that architecture, the like kind of ecstatic architecture was a great starting point, but it changes as I change, you know? Mm. And like, I think with the past series I did, I had realized I'm like, oh, it's like that like seven year point where like most of the cells in your body have replaced yeah. themselves. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm a whole new painter now. <laughs> um, I'm like, like technically a different person. Yeah, technically yeah. a different person, but also like being out in that environment. Um, yeah, it changes what I, I paint and changes like, I don't think I can, I can shake these architectural elements just yet, but they're definitely becoming more like yeah. landscapey or there's weird, there's weirder stuff coming in and there's more bodily stuff coming in to them. Like it's, so you're, you're saying that like from the stuff you've done in the past, there is a place to go that is weirder and more bodily and you're heading in that direction. I'm trying to, <laughs> I don't know. Look out. I'm going to be like a biomech artist pretty soon. Yeah. I don't know. I think, um, I can get really in the groove of like doing a series of paintings. And then when it's over, I'm like, Oh, there's time to like shift and just trying to remind myself constantly that like, I don't know. I'll always draw how I draw and paint how I paint. It's possible to like branch constantly branch out on what, what a painting encompasses or what's in a painting. Do you feel that the outside world has an impact? I mean, you said, you know, you explain the way in which it affects gay Phoenix, but do you think that like what's, going on right now with the world is having a direct impact on everything. Ah, yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that probably wasn't the most mic-friendly mic <laughs> friendly noise, yeah. that little screech. But um, 
That's a weird question because, of course, everything sure. affects you personally, and obviously that filters down to the work. But I mean, is there is there kind of a direct connection between the two? Hmm. Yes, and or but I also feel like as the world gets more digitally and more digital dependent, like mm. the you know, like reality is is very fused with like uh, the world that's online sure. in this weird way, and I feel like more and more I I'm taking the little paths to kind of opt out of hmm. a lot of internet platforms. Um, and I don't know, part of that I do just for my, my mental health. Like I want to stay omnivorous and stay engaged, but it does, it, a lot of it feels like, I don't know, algorithmic manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, yeah. that isn't, Facebook. And, that's not cute yeah. to me. That's like, that just seems like capitalism, it, like gone dystopian, you know, like it just feels like dystopian capitalism, which is already dystopian enough. Like it's, so I think that in a lot of ways, like I don't, I don't spend a lot of time online and I don't, I'm not exactly always interested in what's happening mm-hmm. online. Um, and that's also, that's a big part of what's happening in the world though, is like, so I don't know. There's, I guess of this and that, like, it's hard to take it all in. Yeah. Yeah. When, and, well, and your work is obviously, you know, mostly physical, you obviously come from like zine and mini comics culture. Yeah. You're making paintings. Yeah. And I mean, I, it, uh, I feel my best when I'm working with my hands and I think the most clearest when I mm. work with my hands. So like, I think, you know, like I can't imagine, I know plenty of people who do beautiful work on computer and via tablet, but I like don't, I don't enjoy it working with computers. So I, I tend to stay away from it. Yeah. I also like, I, w- I went down this kind of like rabbit hole in my mind of like thinking about the idea of like a non-binary thing. And I'm like, oh, like digital languages are all premised on mm-hmm. binary yeah. and what yeah. language that produces can always be reduced to the Ones binaries of one and zeros. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's at the point, like maybe I'm not the most creative, but I can't imagine like a, a way to produce like a non-digital system that does the same thing that those digital systems, like that computers do, you know, where I'm like, oh, it, it does that, but it can't accept paradox in this way and which i feel like a paradoxical state of living is part of trans and non-binary identities but to get to the reality of that it almost requires new language in some way what was the experience like putting the um collection together for secret acres oh the little stranger yeah yeah it was funny i mean at first uh i was working with leon from secret acres and uh i was like there's not he had proposed the book and i was like oh that that sounds good but i don't think there's that much work and then it you mean, like, you don't think I can fill up a book with what I have? I don't think I, I have, can fill up yeah. a book. Or, like... It's um, so funny, because, like, I see your stuff, like, every time I go to, like, a shop, every time I'm at, like, Needles and Pens, and, like, oh, there's a new mini-comic from you, it seems like. Yeah, but they're all... I mean, like, it was the idea of, like, doing, like, small stories and yeah. minis, and, like, it, it... You know, I do them with plenty of spacing in between them, so it definitely was, like, the feeling of, like, I don't know if, yeah. like... But yeah, you keep making things for a few years and <laughs> you'll fill up a book pretty fast. Um, so it was exciting to see that there was a body of work to start with. And then, um, it was also interesting to see, I was worried that it was going to be pretty disorganized and the stories in it are weird, but there's like these connecting threads mm. that roll through it. Um, and I think the book is kind of anchored by this series of comics in the middle of it where I started drawing myself. Like, I was responding to a question that I got asked a lot about Gaylord. Like, are you the Gaylord? Who's the Gaylord? Or like, who are you in this? Who's the Gaylord? Who's the Gaylord in this? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it, it was uh, as a response to that. I was like, oh, I'll just start like drawing myself in like the same, not the same kind of fantasy comics, but like also make fantasy comics, but I'm a character in it. And so the book has like this center section where I'm like a character who moves through these kind of fantastical settings and encounters weird events. And that's, that's where that comes from. And I feel like that's kind of the heart of the little stranger book. And then there's like kind of zines and experimental comics that are also included in it too. What was that experience like putting yourself in a story? At first it was totally like harrowing. Like, I mean, I feel like there was like, I was doing like, I mean, you get to choose how much of yourself you put on the page. Right. And I think I, I didn't want to do something where I was in the comic and it was straight up auto, auto bio comics. Sure. Not like I, a diary comic. I mean, I try to live an interesting life, maybe a life that someone would want to read about. But when I try to write it down, yeah. like every time I've tried to journal or like tell the truth about like what happened, uh, the words seem to fall short of my experience of it. I was like, oh, but I f- when I lived it, it felt a mm-hmm. little more exciting than when I'm writing it down. It seems a little more petty. And I didn't, I actually like, you know, I, I've never kept a consistent journal because I don't like how it seems like it shortchanges my memory in this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I did want to use myself as a character and then extend the weirdness of the world around me. And that actually, like, it felt good. Like, sometimes I feel like I, there's a lot of me getting into kind of like these sexual situations in the book. And that I definitely like when I would put that in a zine out in the world or something, it was always a, that was kind of I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not a big exhibitionist yeah. or anything, but it felt a little like. So so these were based on things that had happened to you? You know, they're. I think the thing is that they're not, you know, like yeah. they're based on maybe the emotional weight of things that have happened to me. Somebody's like, are you this character? And you're like, no, but I will put myself in a book, but it will be myself, but in a completely fantastical setting. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it does something that's, that's useful. And also Mm. something that I, I don't quite know how to explain what it does for me, but it, it seems to, if I put myself in almost like a, a body terror story or something, it seems to almost, ugh, what's the word? Exercise something. Yeah. From my psyche. Yeah. What do you mean by body terror? I mean, like, there's one, there's one story in the book where I, like, my body's kind of, like, overcome by these, like, sex parasites. Oh, that kind of body terror. Yeah, like, that kind of body terror, (laughs) you know? Like, so there's that, but there's also, like, comics about vulnerability, and there's, like, comics about, like, falling to pieces. Like, there, there's, and it's softly done, you know? Like, I don't think I draw in a very gruesome way at all. Like, it's all, like, soft edges on it, but there's stuff that, it's hard it's hard to think, but like something like psychically clicks when I'm like writing out what's going to happen in a story. And like, I'm like, Oh, that feels like there's something true. And that it didn't, didn't happen to me. My body wasn't overcome by parasites or anything yet, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe in the next few years, desert parasites. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. But writing about it felt like true to some, some things experientially. Yeah. Do you feel like you learn, about yourself and your work when you kind of go back when it's time to not only do a compilation, because like you said, it wasn't just putting a bunch of stuff together chronologically, but it was figuring out how everything fit together. It was figuring out, you know, sort of larger narratives, like linear threads throughout your life. Like Surely that must have shed some interesting light on both you and your work. One thing that was interesting was that the book isn't uh, chronological at all. And it just felt like, so it was interesting to kind of create it almost like a like a waveform or something where I was like oh like these themes kind of like echo through the book Mm. um 
and maybe they kind of deepen as they're kind of reiterated. Did, uh, did you find out anything surprising that you you know hadn't realized either when you created the work or put it out initially? I think that Little Stranger is a pretty funny book, mm. and it, it won't it won't make you like laugh out loud. But I think like I was surprised. I was like, oh, I'm maybe funnier than I thought I was <laughs> when I or like I didn't write any of them yeah. trying to be funny, but. I think some of them turned out that, or like together they turned out that way where I'm like, oh, like the like, and then also, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting to kind of, I don't have a good, for all me saying that like journaling, like short changes my memory. I don't have a great memory either. So part of it, putting it together was like remembering what was going on at each time of things happening and kind of like actually like building, like I was like, oh, like I, I've lived in a bunch of cities and like, I'd be like, oh, this like place and time in my life really shaped this story and but then also like i'm still dealing with that stuff from this like Mm -hmm. other other place so yeah these threads like the threads that connected are like there's like long-standing like of course there's like long-standing like trans identity shit that rolls through it and there's i don't know like fixations with with different things and and also like kind of like a kitschy like Halloween aspect to all of it, which is my ex- my like life aesthetic. Yeah. In general. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's sort of a truism about life. I definitely thought when I got to this point in my life that I would have a lot more of my shit figured out. Yeah. Oh, not yeah. that like I don't not, not like I think I'm a pretty like reasonable person, and I think I, I do have most of my my stuff together now, but. Something will come along and you'll just be like, yeah, I guess I didn't quite process that, or yeah, I'm not quite over that. Yeah, no, I think that that's a big yeah. message that I got out of the book is like still processing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, I don't know, maybe that's lifelong or whatever. Like part of it was like also like, a th- you know, like a little bit like throwing my hands up and let be like, where did all this come yeah. from? Yeah. So I mean, maybe that's part of transitioning too. I mean, you, you know, you just kind of assume that like you transition and you're does end up being kind of a lifelong thing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, especially like uh, for me, I've never, I've, I've been like a kind of a weird, queer, weirdo, non-binary person for a long time and not, you know, like identifying as trans, but not necessarily like passing in society. The name Edie, like. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's traditionally a feminine name. Yep. And I, you know, it, it, but it also feels like such a good fit. Like, I don't Mm. think I'd ever like try to masculinize it. Like, I don't feel like. You're not going to throw another D in there? I don't feel like an Eddie. Like, it just. (laughs) And I, I, I do feel like an Edie, so I think it's, in terms of like a chosen name, I don't think I could have chosen a better yeah. one for myself, so. Do you feel like you have yourself pretty figured out at this point in your life? Gosh, like the minute I say yes to that, <laughs> I'll get hit, knocked down by another like Saturn yeah. return or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, do you feel like you have yourself figured out? Some days. Yeah. Generally know who I am. I don't know that I necessarily know what I want or my place in the world. Yeah. But I do feel like I've been like living with this for long enough that like I have a general idea of who I am. Yeah. I think I have a constantly deepening understanding of my like skill set as a person and like technically, and that helps me like understand like what I can be most effective at doing in the world. And like also things I'd like to try. It does sound like a big part of your work generally is, is pushing yourself both aesthetically and in terms of storytelling. Yeah. To try new things, to not get bored. Yeah, and also, like, I think in, like, how I live, to, like, not 
trying to live a, a, a life that I'm proud of too, you know, in general, like not just through the work, but like, yeah, I don't know in what I do. So again, when you were putting the book together, were you able to at least kind of have that moment where you're like, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty good at this. I guess, or like, I... I don't suck. I don't suck. I mean, I will say, like, I don't... You know, like, my drawing style for comics isn't my favorite drawing style mm. out there, but I don't think I could... It feels like it almost draws itself in this exciting way. Yeah. And so when it does that, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, it is, like, saying something that, like, you know, like, it doesn't have to be the best drawing in the world to be a comic that I'm proud of or, like, to say something that I think is true and deserves to be said. I assume, especially when you're working on longer forms stuff, there must be points where you feel like you're forcing it, but the art comes pretty naturally to you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that just flows, and when it doesn't, then I usually switch gears because it seems like something is off, you know, like, whether it feels like a... You know, like, I feel like I'll be very attracted to something and, and get pretty far along in a project. And I'll be like, wait, this feels like almost like style biting or something. Yeah. And like, kind of like put the, give it the ax. Cause it doesn't, it starts getting clunkier and clunkier to draw. Cause it's not, it's kind of like out of, out of my flow, I guess. But you're able to leave and come back. I could leave and come back or I could just leave. There's projects I just leave cause they're not, they're not effective you know but the process of doing it isn't a waste like it gets you somewhere and it gets you to understand like but not everybody i mean like everybody doesn't get to see everything i do that's just like the nature the beast (laughs) there you go that was Edie fake recorded that one when he was in town a few months back for mocha you can check out a fantastic collection of his work called a little stranger out now on secret acres thanks so much to him for taking the time to do that thanks to you guys as always for listening to the program if you like the show there are a number of ways to support us you can rate and review us on itunes google podcasts we're on spotify and youtube now if you have any feedback it's rlcast at gmail.com follow us on tumblr that's rlcast.tumblr.com like us on facebook and that's about all we got for this week so stick around because we're going to be back just about this time next week with another episode of r i y l 